Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, hey there, Super Nintendos. What's happening? It's episode 607 of Nintendo Voice Chat. I'm your host, Seth Macy, joined, as almost always, by industry legend Kat Bailey. Hello, Seth. I'm looking forward to talking about some Zelda. Let's get into that. Jada Griffin is back, joining I us am. again. I Thank am, you. and it Ooh. is Zelda Day, baby. It is Zelda <laughs> Day. And from the Pinball Hall of Fame, Sam Claiborne. 
hey, I heard like a little magical flute playing and I was summoned. And then a duck came and swooped down and grabbed you and who even knows where he is now? Nobody knows. Is duck still alive? This and more answered (laughs) on episode 607 of NBC. But first I have to do a little housekeeping. We're talking about Rogue Jam. Now, if you've listened to NBC, uh, you've heard Pear, no doubt, mention Rogue Jam. He's like, why was I here not here last week? Because I was doing Rogue Jam. There's an article on site. You can search for it. It's how to watch and what to expect from Rogue Jam. The first episode premieres Monday, April 18th. That's this coming Monday, if you're listening to this as it comes out. There's a prize pool for Rogue Jam worth $800,000 US dollars. That's a whole heck of a lot of money you could almost buy half of one house in the bay area for that money judges include our very own pear schneider and the legendary former nintendo of america president or was he ceo either way you know reggie fils as the legendary reggie fils so make sure to check that out and all the details are on the site and you're going to be hearing about it on all the podcasts now before we talk zelda we need to talk a little bit about how cat almost kicked a giant television into pieces. Kat, would you please tell us about your Switch Sports preview? (laughs) Yeah, uh, just last week, I think it was, I went and checked out Nintendo Switch Sports, which is coming out later this month on the Nintendo Switch. And I had an unexpected nostalgia moment because I managed to almost break Nintendo's very expensive TV. It was great. (laughs) Uh, how exactly did this come about that you were you almost kicked uh, a ninja kicked a tv i like the idea of me ninja kicking a television at nintendo uh no i was playing the new soccer game on nintendo Mm -hmm. switch sports and we got video of this i don't know if we have b-roll or whatever but i was playing the shootout mode where you kick the ball and you have to kind of angle it and literally the first kick that I tried to take. I was wearing slip-on shoes and they just go woo <laughs> right into the television. Oh. And we just all completely lost it because everybody <laughs> kind of knows that back in the mid 2000s during the motion control era, uh, flying Wii remotes were a thing. So now oh, yeah. we have the next innovation, flying shoes for Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch Sports. I'm glad it's staying on brand. That well, is really I, I'm exciting. up for Nintendo official branded shoe straps in the future for safety. <laughs> and the, the little uh, gel rubber shoe, <laughs> yeah, uh, slips over the to entire put shoe. I was yeah. just about to ask, I was like, how do we how do you attach those? Like we had the Wii straps for the Wii boats. How do we attach our shoes to stay? <laughs> yeah, it's a crock and a loop. And then uh, then you're safe. So Makes what sense. what did you think of the preview or um yeah, I, I obviously I just want to know about bowling. That's the only game that I actually care about. Is the bowling good? So I'm of two minds of okay. Nintendo Switch Sports. First of all, it has roughly half the. There we go. There There's me kicking the shoe, the shoe right into the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was good footage. Was if you're watching this, yeah. go to YouTube and watch that because it is amazing. It's a great thanks kick, to uh, Red Rigos uh, for being able to get that footage, but. <laughs> Yeah, um, so it has about half the games, the mini games, or let's just play this on loop. Yes, um, it has roughly half the games. And they are losing it. <laughs> um, it has roughly half the mini games for Wii Sports Resort. Um, but on the plus side, Nintendo Switch Sports has online multiplayer, 
But Ooh. here's the thing. I see Nintendo Switch Sports as being more of a local multiplayer kind of thing, the kind of thing that you would break out at parties. I had fun with some of the mini games, especially the sword fighting. That I, I was surprised by kind of the depth that was going on there. It made me think of the ongoing quest for a lightsaber game back in the mm-hmm. days of the original Wii. We were all just obsessed with the concept yeah, yeah. of lightsabers on the Wii. I bet you remember that, Sam. Oh, very much so. Yeah, there's whole editorials written about that for years. <laughs> it's like everybody saw the Wii remote and were like, that could be a lightsaber. But mm-hmm. what we didn't think about was that it didn't have one-to-one motion until the release of the Wii Motion yeah. Plus peripheral. So everybody, uh, so even if we had the lightsaber kind of thing, and Red Steel tried the sword thing right out of the that gate. That was the name it of it. just wasn't as satisfying. Remember, yeah. Mm-hmm. However, this game has the sword fighting. It's kind of like Wii uh, Sports Resort, but you're fighting on a, a platform, American Gladiator style, and you're trying mm. to knock an opponent off it. And mm-hmm. there's uh, some strategy to it because the way that you block mm-hmm. um, can stop an attack and potentially dizzy your opponent if they're just coming in at you and trying to uh, attack and everything. So uh, there's a, some strategy involved. I was able to defeat my opponent because I caught them off guard by just doing a series of diagonal slashes one after mm. another until they got knocked off. And I was like, haha, I got you. So um, <laughs> I had fun with that one. I also had fun with a badminton. I actually prefer it to the tennis. It's interesting mm. to see the mix of mini games because some of them are definitely much closer to one-to-one control, more in the Wii Sports Resort vein. And some of them are just classic Wii, like bowling bowling and tennis feel very classical Wii. however you have to hold one of the buttons when you're actually bowling in um we in in uh nintendo switch sports so that took me some time getting used to and i was like oh god i'm only throwing my ball a tiny bit but once i got used to it i got like three strikes in a row and i was like heck yeah a turkey nice it is cool that the little switch uh uh joy cons can basically do everything that not only a Wii controller, a Wii Motion Plus controller, plus the the sensor bar can do, you know, in a completely different way. And it, and it sounds like it feels just like, or similar to what it felt like before, if not better. Yeah, it does actually. And you're totally right in calling out the ability to not have to have a sensor bar anymore. It's right. so great. I'm so mm-hmm. happy about oh. that. Yeah. That I... thin wire. That's thin it. wire, yeah. And if you're not careful, <laughs> that thin wire becomes two shorter thin wires. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the most kickable wire in gaming at the time. <laughs> and uh, and it also it ended up like a bird's nest behind every television on Earth, I think. Yeah. And eventually the uh, the, the, the adhesive would wear out and it would just mm-hmm. rest right precariously on the top of your, your television at the time. Remember but. the two candles solution? Yep. What was the yep. two Wait, candle no, solution? I don't. Please, oh, that... please elaborate on well, the two candle so solution. The, the, it turns out that the well, it turned out 15 years ago now that the <laughs> we the magical sensor bar is actually just emitting two infrared signals about mm-hmm. six inches apart, and that is the basically a triangulation method, right? And so, sans sensor bar, you really just need at the end of your week remote to be sensing two infrared points. Well, two infrared points can also just be two candles, simple tea light candles. Yep. Whoa. Amazing. Wow. I used to have to suggest that uh, working at GameStop because back in the day, it was really hard to get replacements for the uh, the Wii sensor bar. So if yours went out, 
like if there wasn't one of the off-brand ones that were available i was like well you can put two candles on the top of your tv just get little tea lights and you'll be good to go for until you could find one <laughs> but yeah. remember kids that's when tvs weren't thin yes they were, they were thick and safe yes. for candles yes it's funny <laughs> don't try this at home a, a lot of people at the time they still had crts as a matter of fact mm -hmm. my hd i had an hd crt yeah we lit our we lit our house with candles and whale oil <laughs> twas twas the style of the time yeah onion on your belt but yeah i, I actually onion had no belt. idea that the uh that the wii u sensor bar was so simple but it, i guess it kind of tracks since you know like the light gun i always thought like shot you know light and did all that but it just yeah. detected a white a white square on the screen so. yeah yeah totally the, the the um the one magical like another reveal from that era was actually a cool technological one when when you look through infrared cameras at the connect it actually projected infrared dots all over the room so a different way of you know motion oh, wow. sensing and triangulation but if you look at it it looks like your room is full of you know a crystal uh what is it called disco ball lights no um, it's really it's really neat looking yeah yeah a lot of uh cameras well most modern phone cameras you can't see the infrared because they have a filter for that but if you have like a slightly older camera or like an slr or dslr that's right you can still see infrared and that's a great way to find out if your remote control is working or not. that's right that's Look right this that's is tech, and, tech and, help and pinball pinball repair chip if you use an old uh camera in night mode you can see if the optos are working in your pinball machines oh yeah the, the optos mm -hmm. oh okay uh and this has been your repair chip yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask. There's probably no optical uh, light switches in in we switch sports, but um, does the bowling have? And this is one of the most important questions, as far as I'm concerned. Does it have 100 pin bowling like in the Wii U? That oh yeah, talks about? <laughs> 100 pin bowling. I did not see that option. Damn no, it. the main innovation is that it's going to support up to eight players via online multiplayer, so you can all pin. Uh, you can all bowl together uh, in mm -hmm. the same lanes. So that's awesome. One so thousand pin bowling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for it. Now this comes out uh, April 29th, which is the week after next. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, about two weeks out. It's very yep. exciting. But there's only six games, which is yeah. But golf is coming out later, which will be very great for my parents because they were the ones who always enjoyed golf. They would go on golf dates. Well, actually, well, that, that is the, the most mm -hmm. adorable thing I've ever heard. It is. Me too. Uh, <laughs> and, is so but, but we golf was like a kind of a peaceful, nice, just environment to be in, too. I just really liked the, the it. It's very wholesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to ask them, what's uh, what are your individual? What are your favorite games from the original Wii Sports Resort? Oh, the original. I mean, I didn't really play a lot of Wii Sports Resort. I liked the sword fighting in that one. And it had kind of a pilot wings um, yeah. air flying thing. Yep. That was pretty neat. Super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I wrote the guide it, it was... for that game. <laughs> if you can imagine needing that. <laughs> I think the thing that I'm curious about Nintendo Switch Sports is how it's how will the online multiplayer actually catch on? Because mm. I think that's why it doesn't have nearly as many games. It's because Nintendo is putting so much more in terms of development resources into making the online work. And by all accounts, the online tests went very well and it was good. 
But I think the appeal of the original Wii Sports was that it was a free pack-in and there was a lot of novelty with the motion controls and everybody wanted to try it out. Whereas here, I think it's like $49.99 to buy a copy of uh, Nintendo Switch Sports and it's not going to have as many games. And so I think that it's going to be less accessible to its natural audience, which is frankly my parents'. Yeah, right. I I definitely agree with you there. I know that I know a lot of people who are older, like parents themselves, who bought a Wii because of Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. or excuse me, because of Wii Sports. I had no idea that you could play other games on it. They just played sports. They went, you know, they got those stupid plastic like tennis rackets mm-hmm. and all that garbage. But yeah, I, I would be uh, surprised if we didn't see this bundled like for black friday or for the holidays um you know just a regular 299 dollar nintendo Switch no they're gonna do game. the same bundle they do every year seth that's oh, nintendo i know all <laughs> about that bundle i've been covering black friday for five years now and that one just... you know what a, a resort had that was an oddball is that they had frisbee dog catching or oh yeah something. frisbee retrieval well, with dogs and they was had that your dogs was that your favorite uh game to play? Uh, no, I do remember enjoying it. I think it's funny. I really like the free flight. So they made, if you remember this, they made Woohoo Island into a character that would repeat, appear in different games. That was a PR line at the time. And so the Woohoo Island setting, which I think was only used maybe for Mario Kart besides this, probably Smash Brothers. Um, there's a, uh, you would like have 10 minutes to go co- like kind of glide on a glider and collect you know, a hundred something collectibles, which you could return to and, and collect over time, but they're hidden really well. And there was like little secret passages and fun things to, you know, explore on the Island. And I really liked that. That was, it was again, like golf. Uh, it just had a good feel to it and it felt, um, you know, welcoming and, and pleasant and, and chill, which I thought was cool for several Wii games at the time. It's weird because I have absolutely no recollection of of Woohoo Island. Yeah, no, none whatsoever. It's very strange, but I think I know why. But Jada, I'm interested. What's your favorite uh, Wii Sports game? Oh, I think back in the day it was probably bowling, but mostly because I would compete with my nieces and nephews, who would somehow taught me how to play by bowling overhanded. They were managed to trick the wow. sensor and ball. So the, oh, yeah. And so I just remember I lost a game to them once because they were bowling overhanded. And I was just like, I was just stocked. I was shocked the whole game. And I just, it <laughs> threw me off. They completely, it was this like underdog story that you see in the movies where these kids, <laughs> like they're ragtag group of people playing the, the professionals. And then, and I got my butt kicked because they just oh. threw me off my game. Um, I did want to ask Kat, there is volleyball, right? How is the volleyball? There is volleyball. I found it slightly awkward, honestly, mm. um, because you it's a timing-based thing, right? So you're, mm. and it's telling you which motion to do. In some ways, it's like a rhythm game because you do the mm. bounce, you do the, the set, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do it, and I think I ultimately won, but I felt like I was kind of winning despite myself because I think there was an AI control partner and I was having a slightly hard time kind of jiving with them uh, in mm. some ways. Mm. Uh, like I said, like out of the, the three games with a, a net, uh, tennis, volleyball and badminton, I definitely prefer the badminton. That one, I felt like I had the most agency over things. But then again, like in real life, I actually prefer badminton to tennis. So I think that makes, maybe that's why I like it better. (laughs) 
Interesting. Yeah, uh, hmm. bowling was absolutely my favorite Wii Sports game. Like, I got really, really good at it. And I can still, like, thinking it now, the muscle memory is right there of throwing, mm-hmm. like, that perfect curve mm-hmm. every time. And it just feels good, it. doesn't it? Oh, and it naturally so fits with the Wii remote. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see if I'm going to enjoy the bowling on on uh, on Switch Sports when that comes out. But uh, yeah, if you haven't checked out Cat's preview, it is on IGN.com, which is the website where we all work. They sign our paychecks, so go check that out, Cat. Thank <laughs> you for uh, <laughs> making a. Uh, I mean, it's actually like there should be a, a GIF of that as a meme, like of you of your shoe just kicking <laughs> like that should be one of those things that everybody sees but all right switch sports that doesn't come out yet or it doesn't come out until next week we're gonna this year i decided i actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals so i subscribed to a service that streams all of the nhl to your television uh the boston bruins home opener i went to watch it and boom blackout restrictions apply which i thought was kind of ridiculous because i'm still 200 miles away from boston but whatever had i had nordvpn that wouldn't have been a problem i would have just gone in changed my settings to another geographic area and boom i could have been watching all the boston bruins home games like it was nothing at all so now i have nordvpn and i could watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated it's the same thing with like netflix it has all these complicated licensing rules which from one country to another don't really make sense so something you could watch on south korean netflix you won't be able to watch on the united states netflix unless nordvpn boom switch south korea and you're watching whatever korean drama that you want i highly recommend you do that i haven't done it myself but people seem to enjoy them and who am i to try to bring down people's enjoyment uh nordvpn more than just entertainment and sports availability it's going to protect you especially when you're traveling when you're using public wi-fi people are trying to get in there they're creeping on you bad actors people trying to steal your password your bank account details who knows what the government's doing these days i can't keep track they're all over the damn place nordvpn It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, It's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, Um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your Nord VPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Nintendo VC. That's nordvpn.com slash Nintendo VC. Victor Charlie. Uh, That link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Talk about some milestones here, A Link to the Past, released in the United States 30 years ago yesterday, 
which was April 13th, 1992. Wow. I feel old. I was a freshman in high school when oh. that uh, came out. Oh. So yeah, that was a, that was a big one. But in honor of a link to the past coming out 30 years ago, we are going to have a discussion of which is the better Legend of Zelda game, A Link to the Past or Breath of the Wild. And I will open up the floor to discussion, but I would like to start with Kat because this was Kat's suggestion in our planning meeting. Kat, please uh, tell us which is the better of the two games in your opinion, or actually fact, I should say, factually. <laughs> Seth, why are you putting me on the spot here? Oh, okay. I mean, we could always come You're back You're letting to everybody you. know that this was my idea? No. Um, <laughs> it's so, a group effort. I, I was like, that is a great idea. I and said it was a terrible pretty, idea. No, but he said that was a terrible idea. It's the greatest idea. No, we're all idea. excited to talk about this. Yeah. The reason I came up with this suggestion is because a while ago, I did a ranking of all of the Zelda games for my old mm -hmm. website, US Gamer, and there was some discussion about Link to the Past the classical best Zelda, the one that everybody always says, yeah, this is the one. This is the er example of what a Zelda game should be. It holds up better than Ocarina of Time. It has a purity of its design and everything. It's still beautiful after all these years. It has great music, uh, really intricate dungeon design versus Breath of the Wild, which is a totally different take on the Zelda games. And the thing that I find really interesting about the original, uh, about Breath of the Wild is that in many ways it's a return to the original Zelda because Link to the Past was a bit it was more focused. Um, it was less uh, less let's just wander around the open world and try and find things to bomb and <laughs> you know, bomb every wall, burn every bush. That was the motto of the original Zelda, and that was where Breath of the Wild kind of came in with its huge array of secrets. But of course. Some people, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to, I'm one of them, kind of felt like that in some ways the major dungeons were a little samey and mm -hmm. got a little repetitive to the point where once I got to the fourth big one, I was like, eh, I think, I think I'm good. <laughs> I had a great Breath of the Wild experience. But of course, Nintendo was going for something different with their little bite sized puzzles and everything. And they were brilliant. Breath of the Wild is a, brilliant game. So in many ways, Link to the Past and Breath of the Wild are very different games, but they are also of a piece because they are, they both harken back. They both have a different take on the original formula established in the original Zelda. But I think, um, okay, if you put a gun to my head, I still think that Link to the Past is the best traditional Ooh, okay. core Zelda <clears throat> experience that I would say, yes, this is everything that I want out of a Zelda game, full stop. But right. Breath of the Wild is a game that I have an easier time recommending to my friends because frankly, Link to the Past is pretty hard if you're kind of a casual player, whereas Breath mm. of the Wild, I think is more accessible. Yeah, wow, strong case. All right, Jada, let's hear yeah. your take. Um, I agree with almost all of Kat's points. We were talking before the show about, you know, playing, arguing over Devil's Advocate, but we're kind of in the same boat. Um, I definitely agree that Breath of the Wild is more approachable for a lot of newcomers to gaming. Um, I feel like it just, 
it does it does such a good job of revisiting that core formula of Zelda's Zelda one. Um, but Link to the Past is really what started to set Zelda upon this trajectory that we know it as of today. The the dungeons, the the challenging bosses, the interesting puzzles, the amazing soundtrack. Like these are most of those things Breath of the Wild just didn't do or didn't do very well, in my opinion. Um, like I couldn't really, besides one or two tracks from Breath of the Wild, I couldn't tell you what the music sounded like in that game. Um, whereas you asked me about Ocarina, I could, I could, you know, tell you about Bolero Fire. I could tell you about all the different tracks in, you know, Zelda: The Lost Woods. Like, there's all these music tracks that just really stood out. The dungeons were just creative and linked to the past. Like, it's there's just like, especially when they started adding the the multiple floors, which was the first time I believe that was the first time they did that in Zelda, if I if I'm correct. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I just linked to the past is hands down. It's not even a uh, somebody holding a wee, uh, NES zapper to my head. It's just uh, <laughs> it's linked to the past, hands down, every day of the week. Okay, all right, Sam, I'd like for you to weigh in on this discussion. We've sure. got two yeah. for uh, Link to the Past so well, far. Yeah, it's great. I really like how that you know the in the experience of a lot of people, Zelda means dungeons and combat and music and and stuff like that. Um, I don't. I don't look for those things in a Zelda. I look for exploration and uh, freedom. And I think that uh, the root of that type of gameplay actually comes from both Super Mario Brothers 1 and Zelda, uh, the first Legend of Zelda. Those are games which uh, are just chock full of things to explore and secrets to discover. And that's what I, that's why I play video games. That's, that's the reason I like games. And now Link to the Past is plenty of that. It has two worlds to explore, but it also limits you in where you can explore and it limits you by uh, a selection of weapons and items, right? That's like the whole point of that game is that it's like blocking you from exploring and then you, uh, you know, can get further based on weapons. Um, there's a, uh, and, and that, that is not, that is not the same in Zelda one. You can kind of go wherever you want. I wanted to show something really quick here. Um, and the Nintendo power issue uh, that came out around this time, this is what it looks like. This is the preview of link to the past oh, it just shows man. you everything you get in the game right like wow. this is this is oh. how you, oh, sorry i'm having trouble uh getting it in front of the camera there we go uh focus it's just a ton of stuff and it's kind of funny to me that like you know back then spoilers were not a thing like this is it, yeah. the next page has the entire game world and it shows how to get <laughs> yeah. you know how to get everywhere in it yeah uh, let's see <laughs> this is the preview right so oh, I think that's such funny. A good preview. But, um, I love the art so much. That was yes. the cool thing about the original mm-hmm. Nintendo Power is that yeah. it got all that original assets from Nintendo itself. Yeah, and the strategy guide has those too. It has like oh. a bunch of different like, um, you know, it'll have like a picture of like the, the temple as like an illustration, which is great. I think that's like additive content. Anyway, uh, I, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, so uh, in you, I think these are evidence of the that that you know like this game is about items and progression. And uh, kind of solving problems and, and fighting bosses and enemies. So that's all cool. Uh, I think Breath of the Wild is a very different game, similar to the first Zelda, first Mario, in the sense that like you can solve puzzles in many different ways. It is open ended, and that is very difficult to build in a game. I think that's a really tough thing. There's like you think of the the dungeons in, in Breath of the Wild, in which you have to, you know, you're supposed to set up this electrical circuit, 
of you know parts of the dungeon. But actually, you can just drop all your swords on the ground, link them together, and solve the dungeon puzzle that way. Because they built out an electric an electrical circuit system in the game that works everywhere. You can kill a bunch of enemies with that in the upper world. So there's things yeah. like that I really like about it. Um, but then basically, what I love about Zelda games is the overworlds. And so I would say that that Link to the Past was perfected by Ocarina of Time. I think Ocarina of Time is a better game than, than Link to the Past, and it's a very similar game to Link to the Past. And then I think Breath of the Wild perfected Zelda 1. So, you yeah. know, those are the two directions I'd go in. But I wouldn't I wouldn't fall back as Link to the Past as being, um, you know, anything other than a, a perfect 16-bit game uh, of the time because I think that, like, other games have done even that version of Zelda better. And I would also put forth that the top-down Game Boy games, Oracle's, included mm-hmm. and and link's awakening are amazing zelda games that i think are just as good as Link to the past i know no, very few people will agree with that but i love them all i'm not saying like they're, they're bad games in any way i just like i like that style of zelda i just wanted to see zelda progress in that freedom exploration secrets way and that's where breath of the wild went rant over wow there's a lot wow. to unpack from mm-hmm. all of these assertions i think i'm curious like why do you think ocarina of time perfected or bettered a link to the past so for me it's that it set up the environments of dungeons and the overworld as um places of like three-dimensional beauty so it took it basically stretched zelda into three dimensions and i think a really elegant way i I really liked looking around i still like this to this day just stopping and looking around at the environments that are created um and Link to the Past is adorable. It is beautiful pixel art. It's fun, but it doesn't stretch it into that that sense of beauty that even a 64-bit game did. And I, I, man, the 3DS version did a really good job too. And then I think mm. I think combat and bosses and everything are great. And then I will just back up Jada here. I, I think Ocarina of Time is just the best soundtrack I could possibly imagine because it hit me really hard at the time. And because I played a game along with it, I don't think as a, you know, a standing musical piece, it's amazing in any way. But as a video game soundtrack, it's incredible. And it mm-hmm. stuck with me all these years. Yeah, I think it's funny that we're relitigating Ocarina of Time slightly because it's kind of inevitable. Because I feel like there's a split with Ocarina of Time. There are the people who are like you, Sam, who are saying, Ocarina of Time, timeless, amazing, incredible 3D art, beautiful soundtrack, uh, did amazing things. And then there are plenty of people who say, Ocarina of Time, just doesn't hold up. Graphics can't deal too yeah, muddy. Or that it's a retread. Too slow. Of, of Link to the Past. The kids' stuff is actually really slow in the original Ocarina of Time. That kind of thing. Like that's why I always end up bouncing. Once you get to be an adult in Ocarina of Time, it becomes something really special. But uh, during the kid segments, I was I always felt my attention waning. Whereas with A Link to the Past, I think that the first three dungeons are just kind of perfection a lot of ways, especially once you get to the tower. And the thing that I think is interesting about Link to the Past versus Ocarina of Time specifically is that Link to the Past is more in that has, how should I describe it? I think the action is more interesting in a lot of ways. Um, Ocarina of Time was a very early example of 3D combat and it deserves all the credit in the world for introducing the lock-on system oh, and everything. Love a Z targeting. But I think Link to the Past stood at the apex of the arcade style. And it had so many different, really challenging dungeon encounters, a lot of um a lot of obstacles to overcome, lots of really in-depth multi-part uh, puzzles 
the way that they stacked the dungeons on top of one another was super cool. And all in all, like, I, I think it's more challenging for uh, players who aren't used to that style. But when it comes to choosing between the two, I definitely prefer A Link to the Past. Interesting. Tiny well, sword. What's that? <laughs> I just, I just like, I have, I've been watching this footage right now, and I just remember thinking, like, when I first played this, or, or Zelda One, how obnoxiously tiny the sword is when you first started playing. <laughs> oh yeah. And then, and then by the end of the game, you're like the best tiny sword expert on earth, and you're like, this is all I need. This is the best weapon in the world. When you first play these games, you're like, ah, every enemy gets so close to me. Yeah, it's terrifying. I think well, something I... that's interesting about Breath of the Wild versus A Link to the Past is A Link to the Past introduced the Dark World dynamic. Mm-hmm. which, of course, became a core part of Zelda over the years. But Breath of the Wild doesn't really have anything like that. Yeah, and the, the suspicion is that 2 might include that. That's I think Nintendo thinking, is yeah. going to really respond to that one criticism of, like, dungeons aren't big enough and too similar in a Breath of the Wild 2. Like, I think we can really expect... So that might be the oh. game that really unites the fans mm-hmm. of, of the two types of Zelda. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping every weapon breaks the second you use it. I hope it's <laughs> way worse. So sick of hearing people complain about that. For me, the game that united the two types of Zelda fans was Elden Ring because that, it had the exploration cool, yeah. and it had the uh, amazing dungeons and it had the amazing combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elden Ring is, uh, is a punishingly difficult Zelda game that uh, I probably should get back to but i need to talk about what i think and i think you're all wrong no i'm just kidding (laughs) um i think that uh a link to the past is the perfect zelda for the 16-bit era i think ocarina of time is the perfect zelda for its era and i think breath of the wild is the perfect like realization of the promise of all the zelda games dungeons aside breath of the wild i love a whole, whole, whole lot. It was such an amazing experience for me every time I played it. And then watching my son, who has played through it, beginning to end three times now, and he does it differently every single time. Whereas in Link to the Past, there's you, you're not gonna you're not gonna do that. The experience is pretty much the same every time. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Link to mm-hmm. the Past because that was such a mind blowing experience for me when I first played it back in freshman year of high school. Um, I didn't never, I actually never owned it. My friend let me borrow it. And uh, I think I held it for like two years or something before he asked for it back. But yeah, for me, Breath of the Wild is absolutely the best Zelda game. And it's actually, I mean, that's obvious because I also think it's the best game period in, in all of human history. So yeah, easy one for me. But I wanted to show off since Sam was showing off Nintendo Powers. And I believe this is still in print. But Nintendo Power did an awesome Link to the Past comic back in the day. And it was really, it was so good because this was, you couldn't just go to the bookstore and get like manga. You, this was all we could get of it. And so I was completely obsessed with this because you, the only time you saw the, the manga style was in like video game um, instruction manuals or in this incredible comic but if you haven't read this comic i think this is on amazon right now and i I think it's like 20 bucks at the most yeah it's and it's probably cheaper than that but they did it in in nintendo power as well yes they serialized it in nintendo Mm -hmm. power for like it was like 14 months um this whole story and it was great 
Now, I'm not trying to like throw shade on Howard Nestor or anything, but this was this was much, much better of a comic and one of the best comics that they ever ran in Nintendo Power. Sam, you also had something to show off from A Link to the Past. Well, yeah, here's an example of what that anime look, or the manga looks like in the issues of Nintendo Power. They're kind of cool. I can't remember. I've, I've already shown a couple of things, but uh, I do have a copy of the a funny copy of this game here. This is right what you, you think about like now when there's like a game sells a million copies, it goes into like a different kind of box art mode. Nintendo did that back then. Yep. Or I, I, they called it a uh, player's, player's choice. choice million mm-hmm. seller. Yeah. Which I think is really funny and kind of a different packaging. Though. Um, I also wanted to add, I, I think this is fun. Tell me if anybody here has ever had this feeling when I play dungeons and Zelda, I want to get out. I, I'm excited. I like it, but I want to get out of the dungeon with my new tool as soon as possible to like get all the heart pieces that I knew about were in there. So like my experience with dungeons, I'm like, at some point I'm like, okay, I just want to get out of here. And like, I get a little bit like a little bit annoyed by them. And really? uh, so breath of wild actually solved that for me. Uh, I, you know, I got to kind of choose them at my own pace, but like, yeah, I want to be out in the open world exploring and seeing new things and I feel like dungeons kind of cramp my style. I think a link to the past, or sorry, a link between worlds solved that to some mm-hmm. extent because Interesting. it introduced, it let you just pick the tools right off the bat. And I, I just had so much fun experimenting with which tools worked with which dungeons and everything. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel quite as uh, funneled. The design didn't feel quite as funneled because they had to be quite open-ended in that regard. Uh, something that I want to add about A Link to the Past is another part of its legacy is speedrunning. And there's a really cool mashup where you're playing Super mm-hmm. Metroid and A Link to the Past at the same time. And it's a staple at Games Done Quick. And yep. I think that is a part of its legacy that can't be denied. So cool. Whereas when I think of Breath of the Wild, I think of amazing social posts where people will go in and take out one of the Guardians in the coolest way possible and then snap a selfie at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and I will... speed running in Breath of the Wild is also amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Breath of the Wild, it was definitely like a, a necessary reboot for Zelda. Like, just to really bring it back to the front of the conversation for just everybody. Like, not even just big Zelda fans. Like, I feel like there's so many people... Who was like, eh, I'm not a big Zelda fan that picked up Breath of the Wild and was like, oh, my God, I love Zelda. And now are revisiting the old ones. So I do love Breath of the Wild for that experience it's giving to all these uh, new players and newcomers to the franchise. Um, and, you know, just to kind of touch on a few things that other people have mentioned, um, the dungeon thing Sam was talking about. I love the dungeons. I love the aha moments of solving the puzzles. No matter how many times I've solved them, I still feel really good. I still enjoy solving that puzzle for the hundredth time that I've solved it in Ocarina of Time. Um, but I'm also the same way of like wanting to get out and go find as much the heart pieces. I wouldn't advance my Ocarina of Time save file growing up until I literally had everything possible that I could do <laughs> as a kid. I was like, I spent as much time as a kid. And I think that's also like uh, one of the things that really endeared the game to me because I just found so many different ways to um, speed up my progress of doing this. Like, okay, if I go here first, I can do this. And then if I go do that, this, this way. So it was really about optimizing my gameplay um, is what I got. I really, really developed my love for Ocarina of Time. And my my younger siblings, it's, it's funny, uh, they used to have the hardest time in the, the forest temple and the water temple growing up. 
And so I used to help them out. I used to charge them like a quarter. I was like, all right, I'll clear this puzzle for you, but it's going to cost you a quarter. And my middle brother actually just called me, I think two weeks ago. He's like, hey, I just wanted to call, let you know I'm replaying Ocarina of Time. And I finally did the Forest Temple by myself. Like it's been 20 years since he's since we I was helping him. He's finally revisiting it and enjoying it. And he's like, I finally see why you love this game so much. And so like it's I think Ocarina of Time is very special for anybody who grew up with it and anybody who's like experiencing it for the first time. And I think it's one of those experiences that you just really it's you just really can't match in a lot of games. And so mm. I, I just I love Ocarina of Time. It's by far my favorite. Yeah. I have to agree. The the design of the Forest Temple is sublime. And for mm-hmm. my money, one of the absolute best Zelda dungeons ever. It's just it's beautiful. It's atmospheric. It's well paced. Mm-hmm. It lets you use the grapple hook, which is really compelling. The hook shot, Mm -hmm. sorry. It's really compelling in that 3D environment because it's the first time you're ever doing it. And I think the Forest Temple is one of the most mature examples of 3D design from the Nintendo 64 era. It's it's a really incredible thing. And I, I agree with you, Jada, that like makes Ocarina of Time like hold up in a lot of ways. I think that when it comes to Breath of the Wild, I also agree that Breath of the Wild was a much needed reboot for mm-hmm. the Zelda games. Um, I reviewed Skyward Sword back in 2011 for GamePro. And at that time, I said, Zelda has hit a dead end. Mm-hmm. It Dang. has gotten too focused, too linear. It has kind of exhausted the possibilities that was were first introduced in A Link to the Past. And if anything, it's becoming more kind of stultifying because you didn't even really have that open world exploration. And I proposed in that review that what Zelda needed to do was to go back to the spirit of the original Zelda and have the exploration and the freedom that we had in that original game. And it was like Nintendo was hearing, I personally take credit (laughs) for Breath of the Wild. That's why you're the industry legend. You created Breath of the Wild. Oh, they just ignored see. all the tens that game got. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I still to this day have never played Skyward Sword. I've I was a little Skyward lower Sword. on Skyward Sword than a lot of people. I think I gave it like a four out of five, and I got hate mail because of it. People I were know. like, "What was the? How uh, dare you? What did you rate the fun factor? That's what I want to know. What uh, uh, yeah, screaming oh, face? I'm so sad that GamePro had moved on from the exploding head model oh, I love, <laughs> of rating I love because that's all i want to do was to be able to give a game five exploding heads <laughs> <laughs> that, for that, those of you too young to remember to to. yeah that's i think we should change the ign rating scale to exploding heads but if you're you're too young to remember game pro uh magazine or the website back way back in the day they would score on a one to five and depending on you know if it was one two three or four or five it was different versions of a of a man's cartoon head getting either he's asleep, I think, of one, but by five, it looks like he just like took the biggest hit of methamphetamine ever. He's just so <laughs> so blown away and excited. So yeah, that was the the fun factor. I wanted real quick, and I think I've talked about this before, but forever and always I will associate Ocarina of Time. I have I don't stop me if I've talked about this before, with Lou Bega's Mambo number five. And that is because in Germany, I got back from Albania. I had two weeks of comp time. I bought a Nintendo 64. I bought Ocarina of Time. I bought a 27-inch television, which was the biggest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I had two weeks off to play it. 
at the same time they were doing the freedom festival which is like a fourth of july celebration and lou bega had just hit german uh airwaves and so every like three minutes they would just play it again and again and again on the uh the tilt to world ride so forever <laughs> and always i have mambo number five in my head when i play or see any footage of ocarina of time which is <laughs> kind this of is such a peak set story have. I yes. just got yeah. back from Albania. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we Mama was, number it, five. <laughs> it was weird because uh, I then I went home on leave and I was like, oh, have you heard this song? And everyone's like, no, Lou, <laughs> Lou Bega is German. He's from Munich. So it, like Begamania hadn't hit the United States yet. So I was on the, the in much in the same way that you uh, helped color the design of Breath of the Wild. I helped popularize Mambo mm -hmm. number five in the United States of America. So you're mm -hmm. welcome, everyone. For, for I that. have a, like a, a, a depressing link to the past story. I uh, rented that game. I loved, you know, that was the height of video game rentals, I think was the 16-bit mm. era. And, um, you know, I think I was homesick from school. And so I, I didn't really like Zelda games at the time. I, I always mocked my friends for liking them because I was a <gasps> weird Mario fan. And wow, I thought that's that, that precluded me from liking yeah. Zelda. But I played Zelda Link to the Past and, um, you know, got to, I think that the hookshot part of the game um, and I was excited and everything. I had to return it. And then I was like, oh, I'll totally just be able to, to get, I duplicated my save a few times just to be, you know, safe. And I went back and, and it got returned and I, like next week and I went back to get it. And there were, it turned out that not only could like probably had somebody had deleted the save by then, but also there was multiple copies of the game, in the store, which I didn't realize. So it was like. Even, you know, I tried to get one. I was like, this isn't, I don't know. I, I was like looking at markings on the game. I was like, is this the one that I was playing? It was impossible. So uh, I, did, I didn't ever end up playing it until I think the Game Boy Advance version. All the way oh. through. Wow. I don't know if it's more depressing that you used to tease Zelda fans or that you lost your save file because of the nature of rental services back then. Definitely the former. Definitely the <laughs> former. <laughs> darkest origin story mm -hmm. yeah. well you know you just go over to a house and somebody be like let's play remember this is zelda 2 era okay think yeah. put think of the context okay and they'd be like i don't know what this puzzle is this guy says his name is error and i'd be like this game sucks why are we playing yeah. this they're like let's zelda play contra that's the like, first zelda i ever played actually i had no that's and it still holds a very special place in my heart yeah. because and like that. i went back and i've beaten zelda 2 since then i like zelda yep. 1 but like those games like you know it's it's not a good go over to your friend's house and play those games game unless somebody knows what they're doing my, uh, yeah, that is extremely important. Yeah, my first Zelda was actually Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. And I got it from my uncle. Like, I was like probably five or six years old. Had never played a Zelda game before. Had no idea about, like, I, I was like, I think actually, I might have been like four. I was barely reading. And they I got to one of the puzzles in the dungeons. And it was like, kill the Stalfos first and save the Pole's voice for last. And I could not get past the dungeon because I had no idea what a Pole's voice was. I was like, oh, what is right. a Pole's voice? The little bunnies. Exactly. And I, I learned that probably like two years down the road, down the, the road. But I spent those two years just literally stealing everything from the shopkeep and chopping down gas grass and just earning money. That was literally <laughs> my Link's Awakening experience for like two years. And it still hooked me. I still love that game going, exploring the forest and just killing the crabs and the other <laughs> moblins and things like that. Like that, I loved the game, but I had no idea what I was doing back then. And it, but it was still holds a special place in my heart. I, we kind of take for granted now how if you pick up a game and it's, you know, like, like uh, any FromSoft game, 
basically mm-hmm. like those are completely impossible without having the community on the internet. Like the luckiest thing you could hope for back then was some kid already figured it out or some kid like you in your class had, had the guide for it. Otherwise like, yeah, you, I, when I was playing Zelda two, I had no idea what was happening at all, which is why like Sam, I never beat it until, mm-hmm. well, I beat it on virtual console. Thank you. Save States. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I really like playing that game of safe states, actually. I think that's yeah. a really good way to experience it because, like, and Zelda fans should play that game just out of a historical context. It has, like, a lot of things that Zelda took from it, from names to uh, you know, devices and spells and then some really cool sword stuff um, and bosses. Like, uh, there's just a bunch yeah. of influences. You can see where they came from. It's like, you know, nothing new is named uh, since that game in Zelda. It's very funny. It's a. It's kind of a bummer that the Game and Watch doesn't have save states, um, mm. because it does have the, the Japanese game version. Yeah, yeah. Which has got the better soundtrack and different. Yeah, it's very good. But you mean the wait, what the Game and Watch? What the, the, Zelda, Watch, the Zelda, Zelda Game, game and Watch, Watch anniversary? Oh, it came out right, last right. Year. Yeah, it doesn't have save came states. Came out last year. Yeah, Seth is like going to get it. I thought Seth was talking about like the original Zelda Game and Watch games, and I was like, "Well, no, 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 no." Those are. I don't know if you need save states for those. No, no, no. You write those crappy little LCD games, God. (laughs) Nothing more heartbreaking than playing Castlevania on a Tiger Electronics handheld on the bus. But I had that Castlevania Tiger. It was great. It sucked. Mm. They all sucked. The only fun thing was playing Street Fighter Two on that thing. <laughs> the funnest thing that we would do on a Tiger Electronics was when you pushed all the buttons and it would show all the LCD like oh, silhouettes right. at once. And that yeah, was the that only was cool. fun thing to do with them. That was mine was Sonic. Else. Sonic. I had the, t- the uh, Sonic ones. Those were the ones for me. Love they reissued that player. one. It's on. Uh, it's on oh, Amazon cool. right now. Really? Yeah. yeah, they reissued a bunch of them just so you could realize how bad your childhood was. I guess. Nice. But, all right, we need to talk about the Nintendo Switch quarterly review. It is Q2, which means Q1 is behind us. Now we need to look at the last quarter of Nintendo Switch performance. Let's start right out the gate. We got the best Kirby ever. Would you agree, Kat? Yeah, I think the Nintendo Switch had two really strong games this quarter. Games that will certainly be on top 10 lists at the end of the year, at least for me. I I think Pokemon Legends Arceus was amazing because it completely reinvigorated the Pokemon formula. I think the thing that's amazing is it made me care about single-player Pokemon again in a way that I hadn't in a long time. I still think that multiplayer Pokemon is very important, and I think that its pedigree as one of the earliest examples of a service game kind of stands apart, and that's why... So Pokemon Legends Arceus is very different from the core Pokemon games, but I really just appreciated being able to enjoy exploring that overworld again, and catching Pokemon and actually wanting to see what was over the next horizon. It was a really, really smart rethink of the Pokemon formula. And I'm really hopeful that the the ideas that it took were are implemented in Gen 9, which is coming later this year, of course. Coming up, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Kirby, of course, um, I'm still playing it. I, I was playing it on my flight home uh, from Minnesota. Nice. And I still, every every level is just uh, something new, something fun, something interesting, so many secrets to find, so many points of interest, surprisingly nuanced combat. I unlocked a Colosseum and I was fighting Meta Knight and I'm like, you don't have to put this in here. 
You didn't have to put any of this in here. But they did it. Yeah, but it's so varied and so wonderful. I love it. Yeah. It's uh, also Triangle Strategy came out, which I still have yet to play. I know it's a divisive game here. It's Is it divisive? divisive. No, Triangle it's not Strategy's divisive. Great. It's just some people don't haven't played it and some people really love it <laughs> so that that's how it is also zelda was pushed to next year which is a big old bummer but at the same time not that big of a deal i mean let it cook we're, we're looking forward to it. oh and advanced wars was delayed because of you know, except for that one person who somehow got yeah. it early Oh, that is right. I forgot about that. Yes, yeah, some uh, somebody bought it, pre ordered it digitally, and was able to access it uh, on their Switch and was playing it. And I'm sure Nintendo is not going to let them play it for That's very pretty wild. much longer. <laughs> Fanbyte yeah. did a, actually talk to them, and apparently they immediately threw their Switch into airplane mode because Nintendo Ooh. tried to revoke the purchase and do an automatic return. Um, so they are going to have to leave the switch off for, you know, the next month and they only have a month to play it. But but in that time they might be able to finish off Advance Wars before anybody else. So That is crazy. Good, good job you. Good job to mm-hmm. them. Until they get that knock at the door. <laughs> the Nintendo Ninjas are coming for Who's them. Who's that? Hired goons. <laughs> hired goons. Hired goons. <laughs> Don't you mean hired goombas? Oh, oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's thought. getting racist there. Oh, oh uh, okay. Uh, is it? So, pretty strong first quarter, uh, which is kind of awesome because traditionally the first quarters suck. <laughs> most sure. of the time. Mm-hmm. We're in like a mini version of that right now. There's no big game releases at all this week, and uh, there were none last week, other than I think the show. So. Yeah, it's a it's a slow week right now, whereas usually we have a very slow quarter. So strong showing there from Nintendo for Q1, Q2. We've got Switch Sports. Um, I don't Fire Emblem wait. Three Three Hopes. Uh, that Chrono, coming out in Q2. Chrono Cross. That- Chrono Cross. That's right. Yep. Which was but. apparently bad on the Nintendo Switch. Well, or or better than it was on PlayStation. There's just the, the emulation has issues, which is yeah, weird. it has Insane. real frame rate issues. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. Well, it turns out porting oh. games is really hard, and mm-hmm. a lot of the best porting studios um, are literally in Russia, in the case oh, yeah. of Saber Interactive, or mm-hmm. ended up being bought by other companies. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, I mean, I'm not saying that's entirely behind it, but we are reminded again and again that it's not a straightforward process mm-hmm. to actually port these games, and right. Square Enix has a checkered history with its mm-hmm. ports in the best of times, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's not a port, but we did find out that Bandai Namco is working on a 3D remaster for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But we don't know what it is. Now, let's wildly speculate. I saw somebody in the face group, Facebook group uh, thinking that they're going to remaster the Kid Icarus from the uh, 3DS, which well, I could see that. That was, that was uh, really touch control focused. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. remember the thumb strap? <laughs> oh, God, yes, I remember that. That now. actually worked with that game, but they really wanted you to use the stylus and kind of brace yeah. it on a little stand. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the Nintendo Switch is touch-based. Nobody oh, please. ever I, does I, that. I would, but... be, I would be so disappointed <laughs> if that game reared its ugly head again. Um, Comes with the stylus aw. for you, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Nintendo's 
there's games that you know have been long long rumored that nintendo's remaking like there's no reason why they're not doing metroid prime you know like the, mm-hmm, or the trilogy right. or whatever like it, when you look at what what namco bandai's worked on it's just kind of everything they're just kind of like a studio yeah. for hire for nintendo I, I i originally saw that i was like oh i wonder what namco or bandai had worked on in the past that they might be bringing back but that's not really how it works it could be anything first party yeah i think it's Star Fox assault i think it's Star Fox adventures <laughs> oh <Whoa. laughs> Get rare on the case. I, I, like mm-hmm. Stunt Race FX. Bandai Namco worked on Star Fox Assault back in the day mm-hmm. on the GameCube. It's as far as as wild as this it is to say this. It's in my opinion the third best Star Fox game. I prefer was, to. I prefer to right. Command or Star Fox Zero. It's still mm-hmm. it, it's not great when you're on foot, but the the flying sections are actually pretty fun and it mm-hmm. definitely has its moments. I wouldn't hate revisiting it not the least because it has the most fleshed out multiplayer mode out of maybe any of the star fox games Wait, is I agree. this the ds game no this is the gamecube one the gamecube game okay assault yeah, yeah assault was amazing just yeah you had there's a ton of different modes you could do on foot combat multiplayer you could do i believe they had tanks as well as the r wings mm. um and i don't believe they had underwater but it could have had underwater combat too but i don't no, think i don't so. think so but so yeah, there were there's... there were two Star Fox games on GameCube. I only remember Adventures. It also had yeah. Star Fox Body Horror because it had a Pigma <laughs> getting assimilated by the game's equivalent of the Borg. And it got oh, no. pretty messed up. <laughs> oh, I characters... remember the Borg stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The characters were oh, dying man. left and right. Yep. Oh wow. Yeah, Assault was great. I really yeah. loved Assault. There? Wow. It's been a long time. Might be I kind of underrated, honestly. That's kind of cool. I want to check this out now. I yeah. like swore off. Uh, I don't. I didn't swear off. I just never played Star Fox after the original Super Nintendo. I mean, Star Fox so. sixty four is the best one still. Right. But yep. uh, Star Fox Assault and Star Fox Assault, it was messy in so many ways. Like they were, they tried this concept of you land on a space station, you fight some enemies, you mm-hmm. accomplish an objective, you get back in your ship, you fly out. And it's levels like that that are somewhat half-baked. But when it goes into pure 3D shooting, it's great. Yeah, it's yep. really, really good. Nice. Yep. Well, maybe that's that would be, I think, the uh, the Dark Horse candidate. I don't think anybody would see that one coming. Well, there's, there's a Wii U be- one. Those are always likely to come back, right? Oh, no. Well, you know, yeah, Star yes. Fox Zero. Everyone's clamoring for that one. But that one. was based on the two screens, like the... The, the two yep. screen setup was baked into the controls of that game, and it's really hard to pull that apart. Yeah, yeah. and all the minigame mm-hmm. stuff, right? There's like a yeah. bunch of stuff in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny you bring up the Wii U because we're doing a panel celebrating the Wii U at PAX East on Friday, April 22nd at 1.30 in the Condor Theater. I will be there. I'll be making lots and lots of noise and being extremely animated because this is the first time I've ever hosted a live panel at PAX. And I've been going to PAX since I think 2011 was my first PAX East that I went to. So, and I haven't missed one since. So if you want to see me in person and say hello, I will be there. We have special guests on the panel, we have Kyle Erf, who writes for Hard Drive and also works for the publisher behind Dodo Peak, now on Nintendo Switch. And we have Mega Ran, who is the only officially licensed rapper by Capcom and also an incredible uh, resource of knowledge about old games and uh, wrestling. Uh, and then we have, uh, I am completely blanking. Cat, would Ash you please? Paulson. 
Ash Paulson from Good Vibes Gaming, thank you, will also be there. So if you want to come and celebrate the Wii U and what it meant, because as I've been thinking about this panel, I'm realizing like there were a lot of things that the Wii U did that we sort of forget because it was such a relative failure for Nintendo, but it did so many really cool things that we don't talk about. So we're going to talk about that for 55 minutes in a panel in Boston, Massachusetts. And then I'm going to get on a train and go home and eat lobster. Cause that's all we do here in Maine. So please come out and support Nintendo voice chat at PAX. And if you say hello to me, I will say hello right back. Cause that's just the <laughs> kind of guy that I am. All right. Real quickly, uh, let us talk about what we've been playing. I have been reviewing something, and I can't talk about it. Oh, put that one on your bingo card for your. Uh, but there's no games coming game. out. There's well, it's not. It's who said Is anything it about a game? Sports. How many con- <laughs> yeah. how many TVs have you gone through at this point, Seth? <laughs> I just bought my second TV because the other one has a Joy-Con right through the middle of it. <laughs> one missing one shoe, shot, Doc. Yeah, I'm missing <laughs> one shoe. I started actually. I played. Uh, Taito Milestones, which comes out tomorrow on digital and physical, and it's 10 old school Taito games. It's kind of like a weird mix of Taito games. Um, There's Elevator Action, there's Kicks, which I don't remember being so unbelievably impossible, but it is. And these are the arcade versions. Um, Oh, and there's another one with Ninjas. And the Ninja one is probably my favorite game because it is the absolute pinnacle of 1980s arcade cheese it's got orchestra hits in the soundtrack and not only are you a ninja but you're a robot who's a ninja oh so, um i know that game yeah it's like ultra widescreen it's yeah it's so, ninja, ninja warrior ninja warrior it's so amazing i had so much it, it, it fun. came on three crts no kidding oh wow that is awesome yeah, yeah it's i mean it's it's kind of sloppy. The controls aren't great, but it's still it's so fun and it's so peak like 1980s ninja culture. So, uh, Kat, what have you been playing lately? What have I been playing lately? I was just uh, traveling, so I didn't really have a lot of time to play games. Um, I'm actually in the middle of a day by day playthrough of Persona 3, which I started on April 6th. Oh, wow. So what you do is so if you're not familiar with the Persona series, basically it has a calendar and you're going each day, right? And you can usually make decisions and talk to people and you can decide what am I gonna do on this particular day? And the first day in Persona 3 Portable is uh, April 6th. So I was like, mm. I'm gonna do this day by day. And That's so cool. So I hit April 9th. April 9th is my birthday, by the way. And Oh, that's it, right, happy birthday. Happy birthday. You. April 9th is where your character incur- encounters the, the the shadows and unlocks their power for the first time. So I was like, wow, this feels strangely appropriate. So <laughs> I have been... Congratulations on unlock- unlocking your powers. So I've been playing on my Vita. <laughs> it's a reminder that Persona 3 needs to come to the Switch. Frankly, any Persona game needs to come to the Nintendo Switch. Mm. Stupid Sony exclusivity deal, girl. Mm. But I have been really enjoying Persona 3 Portable. I think it has secretly maybe the best soundtrack out of all of them. I just, I vibe with that soundtrack so hard. It's a lot darker than other Persona games in a lot of ways. And the thing that I really like about Persona 3 Portable is that you can play as a girl. So I have, uh, it's been a fun revisit. Um, The game uh, has now fast forwarded to April 19th. So I have to wait. Uh, about a week before I can actually start playing again, but 
I'm going to pick it up and keep right on going. So that's my current project. That is so cool. What an interesting way to relive an old game. Man, I, I think it's awesome. Jake. Dornbush and uh, Tom Marks are doing the same thing with Persona 5. I think they, they just they finished. A, yeah, oh, they just they? finished doing a podcast of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I got to play that game. I know. <laughs> I, I just don't have time to play. But anyway, uh, Jada, what have you been up to? I kind of spent this last week doing kind of a greatest hits uh, around the Nintendo Switch Online shop. Uh, so playing oh. a lot of the old school stuff. So I spent some time nice. playing Super Mario World, uh, Earth Defense Force, uh, Metroid, Punch-Out, Super Punch-Out. So good. Um, just been doing a lot of those, kind of just diving back into the past and, exper- and enjoying those again. Um, and then for a real serious time, though, uh, Octopath Traveler. I uh, oh. I uh, never got around Mwah. to finishing it. I played it like early on when it first launched uh, back in, what, 2018, 2019? Yeah. Uh, it's the first big game I ever reviewed. Yeah, I was doing making uh, wiki videos for it at Fandom at the time. So I play, I picked up a copy and we were making videos on the characters, just intro things. Um, and I kind of after we did those intro videos, I kind of stopped because other things started to come out. And so I'm like going back and I'm really enjoying this classic RPG RPG experience. Yeah. So I'm really excited to get further into it. Best battle system ever. Fun fact, uh, are you, uh, that game is so long that if you had kept on playing it since the time you put it down, you would have almost been at the end by now. I, I believe it. I believe it. I'm looking I forward gonna, to <laughs> I was going to ask you, are you beating it or are you beating the actual ending, the, the ending after the ending? Because after the ending, I never went and got the, uh, the, the, the extra ending with like the impossible boss. Oh, I have. I am so early still into it. Oh, so okay. It's so okay. crazy. Like, <laughs> oh, I just spoiled it for you. So. It's totally oh, fine. It. It's totally fine. I will forget by the time I get there because it's so long. Oh, yeah, that is true. You, <laughs> you, there'll be another switch out by then. So, Sam, what have you been up to? Well, uh, since the last time I was on NVC, I spent a lot of time hundred percenting Tunic. So oh, wow. I kind of I wrapped that up, and and then I was out uh, on vacation. I did not bring any games with me, but uh, Tunic's ending sequences were uh really really cool there's a way to beat that game and another way to beat that game without Mm -hmm. spoiling it uh but of course the whole conceit of that game is that you unlock pieces of uh you know zelda style instruction manual and that also has strategy guide pages and maps and stuff like that and then it has little notes taken in it by some mysterious person uh between the margins the last couple pages are what are in the last couple pages of any manual we had back then a little memo area and the memo oh. area has a lot of notes in it and it uh, and it starts kind of hinting at other things and there's basically like a end game you know like puzzle that the internet had to help solve you know like oh. everybody kind of banded together wow. to figure out like a pretty intense uh, uh cool puzzle but uh yeah I, that's my that's my game of the year i think it's wonderful wow holy cow wow wow that's amazing gonna have to check it I'm out i'm excited was for it? everybody to play it everybody is playing elden ring so they missed it but maybe they'll have a chance, yeah. chance to well, it's on game pass if you have xbox mm-hmm. yeah so. i got the first ending i gotta go back and get the last i've missing like two or three instruction mm-hmm. manual pages so i gotta go back and do that but yeah i 100 yep. percent agree the game is fantastic fantastic even <laughs> much like death store everybody's waiting for it to come out on nintendo switch yeah, yeah. death store is yeah. coming out on nintendo switch right it's out it was out last year Okay. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, played it uh, on Nintendo. No, I guess I played it on I like Death Store a lot. My uh, youngest son started playing Tunic on the cloud streaming, and mm. 
he was like, nah, this isn't for me. But I was like, no, let me play it then. Heartbreaking. So, <laughs> I, I know. It's all right. I also found out my youngest son listens to Marty Robbins, which I would never. I, th- tell me another 13-year-old who just casually mentions, oh, I named my horse Felina in Red Dead 2. And I was like, wait, why? And he's like, because of the Marty Robbins song, obviously. <laughs> Did not expect that. That is just such a cool thing. All right. Question block time. We have a question from, I always pick people whose names I'm going to butcher. And I apologize in advance every time. Harry Loazides, Loazides. I don't know how to say your name. I'm sorry, Harry. What's a game that makes you think about springtime? For me, it's Animal Crossing when all the trees are in a beautiful cherry blossom pink. I have a similar answer to this. It's the original SimCity on the Super NES because in the springtime, you also had cherry blossom uh, highlights on the trees. So, yes, SimCity with Dr. Wright makes mm-hmm. me think of springtime for whatever the hell reason. Kat, do you have any games that make you uh, think about spring and its possibilities? I have two. Ooh. One of them is Zelda Oracle of Seasons, a game that Love is it. all about seasons. So oh, that's yeah. your shout out there, Sam, because you're mm-hmm. I know you're a noted fan of the <laughs> and, this, and the spring part is really cool. It, it's mm-hmm, like a really mm-hmm. it's like it's like the most Zelda looking part of that game. Yeah, and it really take it takes took advantage of the Game Boy colors mm-hmm. colors, which Lots at the time were green. quite novel. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is Persona 3, 4 and 5, because those games start in the spring and end in the spring. Mm. So when I think of those games, like starting up those games, I always think specifically of springtime. So those are my choices. Awesome. Very good ones. Jada, do you have any oh, choices? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of reaching for this one because she, Kat was going to... No, there's my, no she, reaching. It always took, it's just it is what it is. She took my Oracle Seasons, but I do have another one. Um, okay. I would say probably Final Fantasy 13. It's a because of the Sunleth Waterscape level where you are able to alter the weather and you change it from raining to just kind of a spring where all the flowers and the forest kind of grows. Um, it was probably be the, my, my spring, my fondest spring memory that I have off the top of my head outside of Oracle of Seasons. Is Final Fantasy 13 is the one where everyone's like, oh, you got to play 30 hours and then it just gets really good. Is that the one? That's a, that is like the misconception people make about that game. Yes. All right. I would say is it's it... closer to like 15 hours. It is a time. <laughs> That's still a lot of time. <laughs> there, but the, like, to be fair, it's okay. good once you get Fang. Yes, okay. Fang is amazing. Uh, the, so the Fang, Vanille, Power Couple. I will. Yes, I love Fang and Vanille. Um, the one thing I will say about 13 is it's very similar to 7 in its design, to where 7 is very, 7 and 13 are very much both on rails for about 5, 10, 15 hours sometimes. Like, you don't get to really explore seven until you leave midgar that's true. basically yeah, the same don't thing think with, about that yeah. it's basically the same thing with final fantasy 13 i think it's just okay. that the general jrpg audience kind of moved on from that format in the time period that 13 released and they were used yeah. to so many other games that gave you that more openness and expansiveness earlier on in the game so i think that's where a lot of the hate gets for 13 but well, always has a special place somebody in my heart. who was who was part of that discourse back in the games media Back in the yep. day, um, the Final Fantasy 13 came out at a really bad time for JRPGs mm-hmm. and Japanese games just generally. Yep. And as one of the very few handful of AAA Japanese games released at that time, it had an outrageous amount of expectation attached to it. And people were primed 
to hate that game. So <laughs> it's taking quite a while for just people ready to really to evaluate hate. it. <laughs> yep. No, I 100% agree with that. That was a, there was it was a weird time for JRPGs. Yeah, I'm almost 100% certain that's backward compatible on Xbox if it is. people want to check it, it out because you can mm-hmm. almost certainly get a the real best Final Fantasy 13 is Lightning Returns. So. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. There Lightning there. Returns hey, is amazing. Another Lightning Returns, Dan. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. I think I Same actually have... reviewed it um, back for one of my outlets. Nice. Oh, really? What was yeah. that? was uh, like 2000. Uh, it doesn't matter. 14? Sam, do you have any games that, th- that remind you of the springtime in particular? See, I thought this question was about springs, and I could only think about the Sonic the Hedgehog red and yellow springs that send you into spikes. So, no. I, I, I have an so- association with Easter, specifically uh, with Star Fox, because it came out in the springtime, the original Star Fox and Super Nintendo, and I was very into that game. And I remember playing it over the Easter holidays that we had, you know, from whatever era of school that was for me. And uh, I, re- I for some reason, I always think of Easter and, and Star Fox. I, I have a funny thing, too. I I, I reviewed Animal Crossing, um, the, the, the newest one. And, of course, yeah. that was the last PAX we were at. I was actually reviewing it at that PAX. Then, uh, then the world shut down. And everybody played Animal Crossing throughout that spring, right? So a lot of people yep. have great spring associations with Animal Crossing and into the summer, if not beyond that. Uh, I, like an idiot, started in the Southern Hemisphere, so had a great, great summer playing, you know, because I had the game early, right? So I was yeah. playing it in like February, and I didn't want it to be like bummer winter months while I was reviewing it, right? Hey. And so. <laughs> I don't like the winter months in, in across. I didn't want it for the footage. I didn't think it'd be representational of the, the game. Mm. So, you know, uh, so I, <laughs> I played it, you know, it, it quickly moved into winter for me while everybody else is in the spring. So people really liked coming to my town and getting all of the bugs and fish and stuff like that in that season. And of course, who could forget about bunny day, that extremely popular <laughs> event yep. that everybody absolutely loved. The well, wintery cold ever. bunny day. The <laughs> And they've never spoken about him again. Like the bunny just disappeared and they put, oh, it, put him Seth, in, the, in the bunny. Bunny pack. day is back. What? Bunny yeah. day is back. Yeah. Bunny I guess day I haven't been up corner. on the IGN guides. Yeah. So. And the kids, the kids are searching for bunny day right and left right now. No mm-hmm. kidding. Mm-hmm. Well, That's Nintendo, you heard it. The kids are demanding. They want the bunny's back. Bunny day. The bunny's back, baby. Help us. It's like so, a horror movie. If you say <laughs> his name those three times into a mirror. <laughs> I had bunny my day bunny day three, room bunny set day. up for like It was forever. the worst. Those rooms. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that is all the time we have for Nintendo Voice Chat this week. Please follow us on Twitter at NVC Podcast and submit your question block questions to the NVC Facebook group. I'm going to get my alias added to the uh, email so we can start taking email questions again. I want to thank Jada and Sam for being here with us. Thank you for uh, having Kate, me. thank you for being on the ones and twos. And most of all, thank you to you for hanging out with us. And remember, NBC is the only place where you can get the thing, get the thing, get, get the bunny day. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.